Hi, this is These Unprecedented Times, and I'm Claire Hogan with the Studio for Teaching and Learning Innovation at William & Mary. In August, as COVID cases in the United States continued to rise, William & Mary reopened the campus for the fall semester. Students returning to campus were forced to reckon with a major issue. How do we stay socially distant when we've been brought back together? COVID Culture, a new Instagram account founded by William & Mary senior Sofia Hernandez, seeks to answer this question. If you've been on Instagram in the last six months or so, you've probably noticed the rise of infographics as a way to distribute information. COVID culture has taken advantage of this trend to provide the William & Mary community with crucial advice about how to stay safe and healthy during the pandemic. Since COVID culture made its debut on August 2nd, 2020, the account has gained over 1,200 followers and accumulated more than 7,000 likes. Through fun, educational infographics, the account has covered topics ranging from making friends and FOMO to being immunocompromised in college. Today, we're talking to Sophia and COVID Culture's Outreach Coordinator, Henry Netter, to learn more about the team behind this account. So my name is Sophia Hernandez. Um, I am the content creator, um, the head content creator, as well as the initial founder of um, COVID Culture. Yeah, and my name is Henry Netter. Um, I am the Director of Outreach and Engagement. Gotcha. Thanks, guys. Um, So for somebody listening to this podcast who might not be super active on Instagram, what is COVID culture? What are the types of things that you post? Um, Yeah, so I think we envisioned this Instagram account to be disseminating um, digestible, like pretty looking Instagram um, content regarding how to live a safe college um, social life during COVID. I think um, one of the issues um, before coming to campus was there was a lot of rules and regulations as to what not to do, but there were not really a lot of options of what to do. Um, so I think we just wanted to be that that missing link. So that's mainly what our focus is on is the social aspect of social distancing, like the nuances. So that's mostly what we focus on. Yeah, almost like I would say comparable to like an advice column almost like you would find in the newspaper. Um, it's really just like post after post of realistic and reasonable guidelines. Yeah. I mean, I feel like as you're, as you're looking at all the graphics, like it's super cool to see all the advice that you have that's specifically tailored for like William and Mary students. Do you see that as like bridging the gap between like what the administration, what the guidelines are from the administration and what the student body actually does? Like how do you see your role fitting in with the administration's guidelines during the COVID-19 pandemic? Um, right. So I think we kind of saw ourselves as a separate entity, um, just separating ourselves from the administration just so that we could get some legitimacy as students. Um, I think that the student perspective was like really important for other peers to hear um, because it wasn't coming from some like higher authoritative power. It was coming from peers. So I think that's what we wanted to focus on is keeping a little bit um, of that distance. Yeah. Um, I think that one of the things that was really important was Um, being recognized as, yes, a student-run organization, but entirely independent from any authority other than just being the ones who had started the conversation about how to act and what to do um, in a sort of time of like heightened anxiety and unrest. Um, I think one of the reasons that we appeal is that we're not only separate from, you know, the William & Mary administration as a whole, um, and, you know, other than being William & Mary students, not really... um, tied into student life, I guess you could say all that much in terms of being like a student organization. We just happen to be student run. Um, And I think that one of the things, like I said earlier, that makes it so appealing is that it's like almost a by students for students campaign. 
yeah, I guess like where to answer your question to where we saw our content falling again, like kind of like how I mentioned earlier, just to kind of complement um, what the administration has given. Because at the point that we had started COVID culture, there was like student assembly wasn't doing their six feet of fun campaign. Um, <laughs> there was like no real tangible way um, that students could visualize a safe college social life. Um, so I think that's kind of uh, where we wanted to come in because they gave a lot of advice on how to social distance and you know, just certain rules and regulations, we kind of see ourselves, um, I guess, adhering to those rules for the, for people on campus because that's like their only choice. But also I think we just really strive to be on the more conservative side um, in terms of like boundaries, um, just so that we are most inclusive to the people who um, are immunocompromised. Because I think if we start promoting things that are excessively like, oh, you know, I guess choose your own adventure, then that might, you know, undermine their voice as well. So I think we're trying to stray a realistic advice, but along the more, you know, conservative side. Yeah, definitely. So you touched on this a little bit, but like when you first started the account, there wasn't a whole lot of information about, you know, how to social distance as a college student, especially at William & Mary, right? So like, how did you first start your account? Whose idea was it? Like, how did it all come together to be what it is today? Um, yeah, so it was during the summer. Um, I actually had a conversation with my good friend, Ali Moyer, who um, is also on the design head of the team. And um, she was talking to me. She was like down in Williamsburg during the summer. And she was just kind of telling me what it was like. Um, she kind of explained that, you know, it wasn't really um, safe down there. I feel like people were just kind of um, ignoring And from what I gathered, not her explicitly saying this, but people were kind of ignoring it because it was just kind of awkward to address. It was just uncomfortable to put on your mask, you know, to ask someone to open up the windows. Like it was just not something that was normalized. Um, so then, you know, from that idea, I kind of had the idea of creating an Instagram account or something that could, you know, fill that, that hole in, in, in knowledge and also like try and normalizing it by making it realistic. Um, so in that sense, um, I kind of, got together um, a group of people um, from all different walks of William & Mary life. And I also want to shout them out here too, because I know they can't be here with us today, but um, Liv Koenig, Salongo, Bayarma, um, Ali, Moyer, and is there anyone else? Henry? That's our core team. That's we our have a core team. Of different people, you know, um, and our like different departments that help us out. But yeah, the core team is the five yeah. guys, I think. That yeah. So I just wanted to shout them out before um, the end of this, but um yeah, so basically that's how we kind of got the idea going is just kind of, I guess, also internet activism was kind of um, big during the summer, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, I think those informational graphics really um, started to pick up speed. So I just kind of thought that it would be a good opportunity to do digestible, to make digestible content that could um, help the student body. And um, there was a need because I think it blew up pretty quickly. Um so yeah, that's that's mainly how we came up with it, I think. And obviously, the vision has evolved with you know all their perspectives and um, gotten better because of their perspectives. The rest of the core team, um, but yeah, yeah, I think Soph saw the issue um, from her conversation with Ali, like she said, and just sort of had a vision for where it was going to go. Um, and I think it took a, a lot different of a turn than any of us were expecting. Um, when we like signed on to it, I think we fully thought that it was just going to be a panel of the five of us sort of just handling it 
as it came almost and not really having like specific assigned tasks. It was, it's always been a collaborative effort, but I think everybody thought they would just be doing everything. And that is not at all the case anymore. Um, we have our five core team members, um, which is kind of like an acting exec board, I guess you could say, but then we all have our different quote unquote, like committees. And, um, we've gotten a lot of other students across campus involved in it. Um, so it's just sort of grown to be a, a really, um, I guess, fun, you could say, but um, really, really like important, um, at least piece of work that I do um, in like my in terms of my organizations. And so how did you find the people that are now in the core team? Like, so you were sort of talking about how you like picked people from all walks of life across campus. How did you like know who would be interested in this? And what was that first meeting like when you all came together? Um, yeah, so... Henry, I, I just like honestly pay attention to what people post on social media and um, and I pay attention to the types of graphics that are posted and I kind of saw I wanted to get people from different friend groups for sure um, from different age from different ages, different grades. Um, so Henry, like I noticed he had been posting a lot about COVID. Also Henry and I were just friends from before. Um, and he's just like, kind of, he knows a lot of people, very extroverted dude. So I was like, why not? Um, so I just reached out to him. I sent him a long voice memo. Um, <laughs> he's probably like, what the heck is happening? Um, and then, um, so Allie, obviously she does beautiful art and graphics. So I asked her to be a part of it. Um, she's also a longtime friend of mine and, um, Olivia Koenig, she's also very outspoken about, um, like uplifting the immunocompromised voice, people who are immunocompromised. Mm. Um, she's really passionate about that. So she's been very outspoken and also she's very eloquent and um, she has experience in journalism. So I was like, you know, why don't, why don't you come on? <laughs> yeah. Come on down. And then also Salongo is one of my really close friends. Um, and she does, she has done, had a lot of experience running other social media accounts. So she's our social media gal. Um, and yeah, that's just kind of how I, I got, the squad together. Yeah. So Henry, how did you come onto the team? Like you uh, sort of self mentioned that you like you were posting things on Instagram. Like how did that all come together? Yeah. I, I mean, in all reality, like I'm just a very outspoken person. And I think because Soph and I were already friends, so obviously we follow each other on Instagram. She saw that and just sort of handpicked me the same way she did everybody else with Ali being a great artist and Salongo having experience running um, you know, like social media accounts. I mean, she really just sort of did like pick us up and <laughs> threw us all together. It wasn't, you know, like a, a super like, um, amazing, like angelic, like this is what I want to do. It was just like a, Hey, I'm interested in you helping me out with this project or campaign. Are you interested? Let me know your thoughts. And, um, I ran with it. We all ran with it and here we are. Yeah. In terms of the first meeting, I forgot to answer that part of your question. In terms of the first meeting, um, it was kind of like, a like I honestly, like I had an idea, I had a vision for it, but I, it was just kind of a conglomeration of people. We didn't have any structure whatsoever. Um, so I think we talked for like two hours just about all the ideas that we had and visions for that we saw um, for this account. Um, yeah, there was just a lot of brainstorming, not a lot of structure, but it was fun because I think <laughs> we all could see um, that there were a lot of topics to be addressed and um, I think it got kind of people excited because the first meeting is always like, wow, like this could actually be a thing if we make this consistent. So, and that's what we did. 
Okay, so you sort of have the team together. You're all from different parts of campus. You all sort of have different strengths. So what brings you together is sort of this like passion for the project, right? The passion for like this student response to the pandemic, how we should be acting, how we should, you know, disseminate information about the pandemic. So what for you, you know, both of you can answer this. What for you like drove you to be interested in this? What What is behind um, your passion for this project? Um. For me, honestly, so I I was actually in New Jersey. I'm from New Jersey, and um, my county was the second hotspot after New York City. Oh wow! Um, so it was it, things were pretty bad. So we had to get shut down pretty quickly. Um, and also, I live in a kind of a riskier situation because like 75 percent of my family is like really immunocompromised. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were just I just was very safe. Um, I think we just established really safe habits. And I was just also just very, like, scared for my family, you know. And, um, you know, seeing people go back to Williamsburg and just not follow social distancing kind of, you know, made me sad in a way because I was like, well, I know you're not in New Jersey, but your actions are having a domino effect that could affect my family in New Jersey, you know. So I just kind of, like, gained this extra empathy for people who were immunocompromised and um or people who had family members who were immunocompromised or people who were affected by the disease um so i just kind of was like you know something needs to change like we can't go back to campus and just expect everything back to normal be like go back to normal um we we need to fill in that gap like help people visualize that safe college social life so that it's easier for people um to follow it and i think honestly like half the things that i wrote about um or, or like me and my team wrote about, it's mostly common sense, truly. We just did the extra thinking. <laughs> and uh, But even then, um, I think that, that proved to be helpful because then people had a common etiquette to go by and therefore establish a culture of safety rather than, you know, isolated practice. So, right, right. Um, yeah. So I think mainly it was my family and, and my protective spirit over my family and, and my friends who were immunocompromised. Mm. Um, and just the fact that, you know, any individual's actions – can affect the community at large, not just you. Um, that's what really, you know, kind of scared me, and but also, you know, drove me to um, want to make change. So, awesome. I I wish my answer was that noble. Um, <laughs> I would say, and embarrassingly so, um, when all of this first started, I was just like any other adolescent, and mm-hmm. I. Uh, there was no part of me that wanted to or felt the need to take it as seriously as it should have been taken. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it definitely took a while to come to that understanding. Um, I'm glad it came before Soph asked me to be a part of the project. Obviously, I ended up be, you know becoming an outspoken advocate of needing to be reasonable in the situation. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely... Um, I was not as as smart or as noble as Soph. Um, way back when, um, I remember like all of the jokes about like, you know, the spicy flu and all of that. And not <laughs> only was that not okay, but it, right. it wasn't like factual by any means. Mm. So I remember, um, you know, being in my house just like so pissed off um, about the fact that we were being, you know, forced to stay in our homes for something that supposedly like wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm from Virginia originally. Um, I'm from Virginia Beach, actually, so I definitely should have been taking it seriously because um, Virginia Beach is the largest city in all of Virginia and ended up becoming um, a hotspot not only in the Hampton Roads area, but in Virginia as a whole. Um, 
with a really big tourism industry. So it actually took over the summer seeing my city more dead than I had ever seen yeah. it with a lack of tourism um, to like sort of like get the like wheels turning. Um, but I remember it was right about like late June, early July that Virginia entered into phase three way, way too entirely early. And at that point, I don't know what the other state guidelines are, but in Virginia, when you enter into phase three or in phase three, like we are again right now, you can gather in groups publicly of 250, which is so ridiculously unreasonable Mm -hmm. in a pandemic. Like, I don't know what groups there would be of 250 besides maybe like a massive like party or a club or a concert anyways. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we're all itching to get back to that, but <laughs> yeah, we entered into phase three and then what really sealed the deal for me in taking it more seriously was getting it. Oh, wow. Um, because, um, I, I was, I was perfectly healthy. Um, hmm. and I think that was honestly the worst part of it and the biggest wake up call because it was ravaging people's bodies for so long, but I had not really had much exposure to how it could be so silent and like almost like just as deadly, if you will. Um, but I am very thankful that, um, you know, my case obviously was not bad. As far as I know, I don't have any, you know, lasting like health repercussions, but knowing how easy it was to get it and to pass on unknowingly, um, it really did scare me because I, I'd Mm. never been in empathetic, excuse me, um, of people who were immunocompromised, but, I I was figuring for a long time when it first started that it was just, you know, one of those things that would like pass in time. Um, Obviously not so much the case, but um, having entered into phase three for a matter of days and then contracting it and having to stay isolated from all of my friends and family and the outside world for the better part of a month at the time because of the circumstances was probably the biggest wake up call that I could have gotten. Um, And looking back on how actively ignorant I was being, um, and I felt like I was being one of the most, you know, reasonable and realistic people or adolescents at the time in terms of following the guidelines, because I I was. And then it was almost that added component of knowing that you could contract it so easily and knowing that I was being like the slightest bigot of ignorant. It just made me so angry to think about all of the people out there who are entirely disregarding the entire pandemic as a whole or entirely disregarding, you know, the guidelines, knowing that it's real and that like level of ignorance and in empathy towards people who can't handle it as easily or healthily. It just like, I don't know, it like really gets me going. And like, that's why I like ended up, you know, becoming such a, a, like an independently outspoken advocate for it. But then ultimately joining the team because I had my wake up call and I just, I, I don't know. I got, I got a little bit mad. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. You need a little bit of anger though. To, Definitely. To, I think it's fuel the flames yeah, of the exactly. content. So do you think that like background in maybe not taking the pandemic as seriously as you should have sort of informs the content that you make with COVID culture because you understand people who might not be as socially distanced as they might need to be? I don't know. I've actually never thought about that. Um, I think that is a point in time that I I want to entirely disregard, but I do think it's always in the back of my mind that the way that they're maybe thinking now was the way that I thought at one point in time. And Hmm. so I think that having that understanding makes me a little bit, 
I guess, more like empathetic and, you know, joining the conversation that our core team has. So if obviously like spearheads the entire, you know, content, but I think that being able to, you know, sort of like voice, I guess, my opinion on what they might be looking to hear or what might help them have, you know, more of an understanding um, definitely does provide maybe something of value. I don't know what, to what extent though, but go ahead, Soph. Yeah. Um, I think like, you know, obviously I come from this place of like, why isn't everyone like, you know, following the rules, you right. know, but also, um, I get it. You know, I think I, I, from the very beginning of this, um, from this like endeavor, I guess, I think like what really sets us apart is that we're not here to preach. Like we're not here to tell you what to do. I think in the content, I've really strived to be like neutral because I understand that, you know, even though people may come off as ignorant, maybe they're not secure in their current social situations. Maybe they feel like they still have to meet people that satisfy them like in, in their friendships. Maybe they don't have those people. So, um, and so I'm empathetic for those people, especially like the younger um, grades who like haven't had the time to entirely branch out and are kind of a little socially starved. Um, and I feel for them. And, and I, and I like, I, I know it's kind of, um, there's a lot of, it's like kind of controversial, but, um, I see, I see where people may be coming from in, in that they're not satisfied with the people that they do are around with all the time. So I think like, I really try and stray away from, you know, shaming people because I think that's not productive. I think we really focus on giving people alternatives Mm. rather than, rather than shaming. I think, um, you know, giving people, making it easy for people. They don't, they don't have to do the thinking, making it even easy for people to um, act in a way that's safe rather than being shamed into it or, you know. So I think I always try, whenever I do write um, these things, I always try to keep that perspective in mind so we can reach the widest audience possible. Because, it, you know, you can only do so much if you're saying something into an echo chamber, right? right. So. Um, I think like with every post specifically, like for example, the FOMO post that was directed for people who may, you know, see people going out and, you know, feel like, oh, I want to do that. It kind of gave them a line of thinking so that they can be like, oh, wow, I saw that in COVID culture post. Maybe I, maybe I should consider, you know, the actual consequences of my actions. So that was kind of, you know, developed more for people who maybe are on the fence, you know, and then like some other posts like, um, I don't know what's one. The healthy conversations. Oh yeah, one. healthy conversations. Like not one. telling people that they're wrong necessarily and what they're choosing to do because we want everybody to come uh, to our page like feeling, I guess, validated in their decision making, but providing those resources or, um, you know, like giving them advice on maybe understanding why what they might be doing right now isn't the best course of action to be taking at this particular moment in time. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's something that we really um, try and keep in mind throughout our content making to make sure that, you know, we do reach the widest, uh, audience possible. Interesting. So you're sort of, you're coming from this place of empathy for people who might be disregarding the, the COVID-19 guidelines we have here at William and Mary, but you also, I know you want to give a voice to students who might be immunocompromised and those students might be in physical danger because of the actions of some reckless students. So how do you sort of balance those two ideas and agendas on your page? It's a very delicate balance. (laughs) Um, I do remember one um, girl, I'm forgetting her name right now, but I'm very thankful for her um, because in the very beginning of our account, she, we posted something about 
corn teams. And meanwhile, we were like baby account. We don't know what we're doing, right? <laughs> and we posted this like maybe slightly problematic messaging about corn teams. Mm. And um, so for somebody who doesn't know what a quarantine oh, is, what is a quarantine? Right. A quarantine is kind of um, a bubble, if you will. So I guess a group of people that you only hang out with each other without masks, um, gotcha. without safe social distancing. And I think we kind of were vague about it. And um, and she really gave us some really productive feedback mm. and kind of explained to us like why this messaging was problematic and um, what messaging that we should be promoting. So I think, well, at least I, and then after that I was terrified. I was like, <laughs> oh my God, like I'm, I have to check yeah. Make sure that everything I post is like completely catering to their, making sure that they're safe as well. Cause they are the ones that are physically affected by this. Like right, right. that must be so scary. So I think like after like her feedback, I've been really careful to make sure that we err on the side of, of, um, of caution. And, um, we try to consider, obviously, you know, we're trying to uplift their voices too. Um, uh, Liv Koenig actually is in this great, um, group me, um, specifically for people who are immunocompromised in Virginia or at William and Mary, I think there's two group me's and she like often bounces, um, our content off of them. And oh, I've been really huh. thankful for, for their input. Um, and also thankful for Liv because, uh, she's really kind of provided so much insight, um, on that front because I don't have an invisible disease, you know, um, and she's been going out of her way and she doesn't have to do that. You know, she has enough stress as it is. Um, but she's been really instrumental in kind of making sure our content is catering to all opinions. Interesting. So sort of moving back to like William and Mary, like very specifically. So Sophia, you were in New Jersey, right? And Henry, you were in Virginia Beach. Mm -hmm. And then you got this announcement that William and Mary has decided to reopen campus, despite the fact that we're still, you know, in the middle of a pandemic. And they have all these guidelines, but what was what was your reaction to that? Like either of you, what were your thoughts about that? Did you think that their guidelines were enough? Like sort of what were you thinking? I I don't know. I I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I was ecstatic about coming back. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that it was the best decision, but I was happy to have been given the option. I guess. Um, I, I don't think that any set of guidelines is ever necessarily going to be enough other than staying in your house until, you know, a certain point in time. Um, I think that for the most part, the administration is trying their, their best. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think in a lot of different areas, they do fall short. Um, and I think that there's, um, a level of transparency that isn't there that needs to be. Um, but we are still here. Um, I think that we've been doing a relatively good job um, as a school um, and as um, a community, um, or at least I'd like to think so. There's always, you know, things to be done better. There's always lessons to be learned. Um, and so I think that for the most part, a lot of people here are, working together to, um, you know, get through the current situation. Um, and so I, I think bottom line is that we're doing it better than a lot of other people. And I think we're, a lot of other people are probably doing it better than us. So yes, we are doing relatively well. Was that necessarily the best decision that they could have made in the moment? 
No, but I'm glad it is it is turning out the way that it is because I think there's something to be said for the level of cooperation that at least I have seen from the students. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I'm in a different position than Henry because I live off campus. Um, mm-hmm. So I was just kind of like, well, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Right. Uh, let's see how this goes. Um, so I was going to come regardless because I'm like, I'm really fortunate to be living with um, two of my best friends. Um, so I guess I just didn't really think about it too much. I was like, okay, well, this is how it's going to go. I don't foresee how this could be safe in any way because people are going to still be in person. I'm inviting freshmen back. That sounds like, you know, scary. Um, right, right. But, you know, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty impressed um, of how things are going um, right now. You know, I fully expected us to get sent home within three months. Um, so, I honestly, I think we're going to finish out the semester. I don't see why not. I (laughs) I honestly think that um, in terms of like the students, there's a couple of groups that give everybody sort of a bad rep or bad name. Um, I don't think that you can necessarily pinpoint it. And then I I also do think um, in all reality that a lot of things get a little bit more blown out of proportion than they need to. Um, So I think it's hard to tell, um, you know, where and when there is one person or group, you know, breaking the guidelines. But I think overall, um, everybody has been doing a really good job of adhering, um, whether or not that's, you know, for fear of getting suspended or, um, just for, you know, abiding by safety regulations. I don't necessarily know. I think it's probably a little bit of a healthy mix of both. Um, but in terms of the student community, I think we're doing relatively well. The administration's an entirely different story, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> no, no, we can get into it. I mean, you, you mentioned earlier, You're getting like, all excited. You're like, oh, this kid's going to go off. No, <laughs> exactly. No, um, but I mean, you did mention earlier, like you see some some sort of concrete shortcomings with the guidelines set out by the administration. Like what what shortcomings do you see? And, and are you trying to address those with your page? Like how is that working? Yeah, I feel like we have... Um, I don't really know. I, I like don't really know my stance on it, honestly. Um, I think we try and leave that aspect of our opinions like outside of the page because I think, you know, that's a little – we're trying to stick to like the social life. Mm. And neutrality. Um, and gotcha, and gotcha. neutrality. Gotcha. Okay. So, so we kind of – we all have our opinions on it. Um, me personally, I think that, you know – sometimes I feel like the administration that like, you know, kicking people out of school, putting something on the record, that can be kind of a lot. Um, But I do think like, you know, the administration has to do something to enforce these rules, you know, like Mm -hmm. people are not going to do it for the good of of the community. If they're not going to do it for themselves or the people around them, like what are they going to do it for? You know? So um, I'm kind of like more tipped on the scale. Like, yeah, well, yeah, but that's, I don't know if that was, you know, coherent, but <laughs> that's where I stand. I don't know. Henry, Henry has opinions. <laughs> yeah, I do. I have a lot of them. Um, I don't know, necessarily know that all of them are relevant to COVID culture specifically. So I'll, I'll probably refrain just because they are um, very strong ones. But I do agree with Soph is that uh, we're in quite, quite a, uh, a national and global predicament right now. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, William & Mary is an educational institution. They're here to make sure that um, our educational experience is what, um, what we're, what what they're able to provide in the current, you know, moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that in regards to that, they are are doing a relatively good job 
Um, I don't think an institution of higher education necessarily has an obligation to um, foster a community like William and Mary has in the past um, or a certain um, threshold of positive social life for students. Um, I also think that historically they've done a really good job of doing that. So, I mean, given the current situation, I think that a lot of what they have done in the past has just been entirely um, disregarded by a lot of students who are justifiably angry, but William and Mary has had to sort of put that on hold because they are um, an institution in need of giving regulations, particularly to the population that they cater to, which is adolescents. So um, they are an authority and um, they have to act as such. And so the action that they take, I don't necessarily know that I agree with, but I think it's justifiable to a certain extent. And that's where I'll I'll leave it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll take that. (laughs) I won't dig any deeper. Um, So I guess sort of going back to your page, like, um, so you started off with as a pretty small page, right? And then, I mean, where you are now, you're always getting like hundreds of likes, shares, comments, like what was that like for you? And do you see any like direct impact of what you're posting? Um, I think, you know, the direct impact is just seen in, in the sheer amount of people that, that share it, honestly. Um, I think it gives people like vocabulary, and a language to speak about these issues. Um, It gives people an etiquette to follow. So, um, you know, honestly, it's kind of hard to see the impacts because, like, we're not in person. (laughs) I'm not, like, hanging out with random people that follow the page. Right. So I can't really see it, but we do get a lot of people that, you know, are like, thanks for, you know, posting this. Like, this was, like, what I needed, which is, like, really rewarding. Um, And then as in terms of, like, the the likes and the follows, I mean, I always kind of, like, had an inkling that there was a need um, so I, I kind of was like, okay, this is like going as how I expected it to go. Cause I thought, you know, I kind of like anticipated that people, like, that sounds really cocky, but I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 I mean, like, I just kind of anticipated a need. It was more of, for me, more than the numbers, the likes and the, um, the comments and the shares. It's more, I think the shares really matter to me. Cause that means that people find it, mm. um, worthwhile to read. And right. that's, that's what I really like to see is, um, is to see the amount of people that have posted on their stories and and shared it and that means that they learned something and they think someone else could learn something too so I think ultimately that was what was like wow like I'm really glad all our work is 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 going somewhere so yeah I think like those statistics matter the same that they would to you know any other organization I don't think that we necessarily get um the same serotonin boost from getting a lot of (laughs) likes and comments on our content that we would, um, you know, like a selfie on our own pages. So I think that we really just use them um, to monitor the growth and the need for what content we might be providing or not providing. Um, And I think they're just really helpful indicators about um, how we're doing, whether or not we're doing a good job and, you know, how much we may or may not be needed in the near future. Um, So, yeah. So have you thought about like the future of your account? Because someday, hopefully in the future, the pandemic will be over. And so what what will COVID culture be then? I mean, you've grown to a, a pretty large size, pretty decent size for William mm-hmm. & Mary's especially. So like what what will happen? Yeah, um, well, we haven't even thought that far. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> haven't had the, that discussion. Yeah. But um, I really do, really, really do hope that there's a point in time hopefully relatively soon. Not that I don't love working with all of them, but that we are not needed anymore because that means that, um, 
you know, hopefully we're back to some sense of normalcy. So I think um, for the time being, as as long as we're needed is as long or as long as we're needed is how long we're going to be around. And I don't think that we necessarily know how long that's going to be. But um, I think for now, the the um, the movement is a sort of upward mobility up and up and through, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> I think also we're kind of in a in a place, a little place of stagnation, stagnant. We're stagnant right now, <laughs> um, mainly because I think a school has picked up for a lot of us. So it's been we are a student run organization. All of us are students and, right. you know, involved ones at that. So I think, you know, this semester has been a little hard to, like, keep cranking out content. So um, also it's it kind of changes as people solidify their habits. You know, mm. I think um, like those guidelines and ad, like the advice that we gave was really important initially because I think people just couldn't think like visualize it but like once they got here I think they're able to kind of like create their own safety rituals and um create their own etiquette um amongst the people that they're with so um honestly like I think we have to we're meeting maybe next week or something um just to talk about you know the direction of where we're going because it might change you know as quick as the pandemic is changing so is our account um I think it just really um we have to survey the need um, of the William and Mary students right now and uh, eventually cater to that. So um, I don't know what the future holds, but um, I guess we'll, we'll hear from our, our loyal followers <laughs> and just anyone, honestly. I think also each one of us, another reason why, going back to your last question about why I picked these people is because we're from, you know, different kind of friend groups within William and Mary and we have a wide network to listen from. So I think capturing ideas from a wide range of perspective and concerns and questions was something that I, I also thought about when picking these people because, you know, Henry's friends are different than my friends, are different than Liv's friends. So um, I think we're all just kind of like have our ears out for anything that could come, um, you know, that could be helpful to be shared on the page. So I know you, you mentioned that as your page has grown, you sort of expanded beyond the core team to have like a bunch of different people on board. So mm-hmm. how are you coming up with ideas for your posts? Like how is that working? Are are the people on the fringes of the group coming up with ideas? Is the core team sort of regulating? Like how is that working? Um, so, you know, when things were more lively, <laughs> I think, <laughs> well, yeah. So I think mainly um, I had, I would usually come up with questions and then I'd bring them to the meeting of the core team and the core team would also give all of their advice um, as well, all their ideas. And the core teams are led um, where it's, there's no like one central leader of our organization. It's just each of us um, rotate meetings. So we all have like an equal opportunity, equal say, um, which I think is important also to establish the dynamic of our like organization. So usually I'll bring up um, an idea or a question that I had in my everyday life and they would bring up uh, questions and ideas they had in their lives, and we'd kind of choose the ideas that were most pertinent at that space and time, um, and then create posts in that order. So, um, and then in addition to that, we also have a think tank, Group Me, um, and in that think tank, um, people um, just like throw out ideas that they've that they have. Hmm. I think this is more like earlier on. Um, in the in the account but um and then also I'm ahead of a content committee so they do a really great job as well as 
um, they made, one of them made, um, TT actually, she made this uh, study post um, on how to study virtually and mm. it was really helpful. Um, and a couple other people have, have done posts as well. So um, they kind of come in the past, like they've kind of come with an idea and I'm just kind of like, okay, go, you, you do it. I support you. <laughs> like run with that idea and make that post. Nice. Um, so yeah, it's kind of come from a different, a, a number of sources, but I think mainly um, the core team really is really good at um, picking subjects to talk about and uh, sharing them with the group gotcha. whenever they come up. Gotcha. Okay, so if if somebody wanted to find COVID culture or maybe even join your group or reach out to you, where could they find you? Oh, that's such an easy one. Can I answer that? Yeah, do it. You're the outreach <laughs> At COVID chair. culture on Instagram. It's so simple. You literally just look us up any the way you would any other account. But the really cool thing is that, I mean, on every single one of our posts, we have like the end side. It says slide into our DMs. We'd love to hear from everybody. We always want feedback and involvement and um, just, I don't know what you're thinking about our different posts, but there's also a Google form in our bio um, where you can provide similar feedback. Let us know that your your thoughts provide any um, ideas that you might have for content or get involved with any one of our five little um, committee teams that we have. So super, super easy. Um, I encourage everybody to do it. My outreach and engagement team is kind of lacking. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully this podcast will spur some more involvement. But um, yeah, super, super easy. You just have to look us up and click a few buttons. Fantastic. Well, thank you guys so much for coming into the studio today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for for having having us. us. Yeah. Thank you to Sophia and Henry for joining us in the studio today. If you're a student who would like to know more about staying safe on campus, or really anyone who's been affected by the pandemic, you can find COVID Culture on Instagram at COVID Culture.